Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Tuesday in the first week of Advent, Tuesday, December 5th. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN. Great to be with you as we move through this beautiful season on the church calendar. Let's make the most of it. Let's read, let's reflect, let's pray, let's quiet ourselves and make sure we give ourselves plenty of downtime with the Lord each and every day. I forgot to mention this yesterday. I wanted to tell you this idea that came from our associate pastor at my parish in the Archdiocese of Detroit. He's suggesting, being that St. Luke's Gospel has 24 chapters, that it is a great thing to do a chapter a day leading up to Christmas. And also because he mentioned this over the weekend, it was already December, what, second? December 3rd, the first Sunday of Advent, second and third. So obviously with 24 days, it brings you just to Christmas week, which is great. But I started doing that and it's really great to pick up the Bible and read a chapter of day in terms of chapter day in terms of the gospel of Luke, especially because of all the references, right, to the Annunciation and, and, and so much more about our Blessed Mother and the birth of Christ. So just a suggestion from a wonderful priest in my archdiocese, Father Adam, who suggested reading a gospel, the gospel of Luke, a chapter a day, something to do. In addition to all the great resources we're providing for you at EWTN and all of our online outlets, including this great article yesterday, and Andrew's working on getting the priest on who wrote it, National Catholic Register had this great piece by a priest out east writing all about the anniversary of Intermerifica. Do you know what Intermerifica is? If you don't, you should. It's a great document the church gave us back in 1963, right? On the time of Vatican II, Pope Paul VI, who also said the church would be sorry before the Lord if she does not use the media wisely. I may be not, I may be paraphrasing a bit there, but basically he said we have to learn how to use the media wisely and keep doing it. So it's so beautiful about this document, as with everything the church gives us, right? Our different teachings and encyclicals and World Communications Day statements and on and on and on. Is there evergreen? And what does that mean? That's a news term for a story that is not dated. So in other words, you can always draw something, it'll always be timely. And I was sharing with my listeners in the first hour some quotes just from the introduction of Intermerifica and the very first chapter you could ponder in light of what's happened with our media. And we'll talk more about this on Friday in Fact Check Friday because it's a really, really good thing I hope you will pick up, especially if you have kids, if you're concerned about what's happening with the culture and the media. It addresses entertainment, Hollywood, news, radio, TV, Obviously, this is long before the Internet, but the statements that they make are so timely and prophetic in terms of what we're seeing in the media today. And the responsibility, even before folks had access to anything online, right back in the 60s, the church is calling for all the people of the world, especially Catholics, to make sure they use the media correctly and don't do harm by using the media. So much to think about. I just wanted to mention that and get that out there. So, But the article is still up on the register and we're working on getting the priest on to talk more about this sometime this month. Now, the actual anniversary was yesterday, December 4th, but being that it was 60 years ago in December of 1963, there's a lot of discussion. There was even a conference last month at Santa Croce, which is considered like the media university in Rome, and they called it Wonderful Things, which is what 
in Timorifica basically means in Latin. So just something to think and ponder if you're looking for something different to do. In addition to reading uh, the Gospel of Luke one chapter a day, maybe pick up a copy online of Intermorifica, or at least take the article from the register and read it and just kind of challenge yourself a little bit because I try to do this all the time. How are we using the outlets we have to the best ability in a Christian way to put good news out there? So just a few thoughts for this morning. All right, well, Julie and Greg Alexander from the Alexander House are up after the break. They are with us for Mornings on Marriage. They are amazing marriage coaches. They're authors. They're presenters. They do um, marriage coaching, and they do it online, and they don't charge couples, and it's hugely successful, and it's very badly needed, and they have a long, long waiting list because they're so impactful and effective. This morning, we are going to talk about, with Julie and Greg, two segments, nurturing your marriage during the holiday season. So we'll discuss some of the common challenges that couples often encounter during the holiday and explore effective ways to navigate through them. And then Joan Lewis, who normally joins us on a Wednesday, is joining us on a Tuesday. So much to discuss with the Holy Father's health and what's happening in Rome and the anniversary of Greccio and the Vatican displays and also some other issues that are coming up out of Rome. And Joan joins us on a Tuesday as opposed to a Wednesday. Let's take a look at the weather before we get to the news. And there's a ton of that as well this morning. We have a clipper-type system tracking across the Ohio Valley, the central Appalachians, and mid-Atlantic regions today. Rain and some accumulating snow across the higher elevations can be expected, and out west in the northwest more specifically, and the northern Rockies, they continue to see heavy precipitation, mainly rain, though, with flooding coinciding with some strong winds that they say are going to make traveling difficult in that part of the country. It is a Tuesday morning. It's December 5th, 2023, and you're listening to EWTN. Time to get to the news right now on a Tuesday. Israel is said to be considering a plan to flood Hamas's network of tunnels between the Gaza Strip, beneath the Gaza Strip. The move could make them unusable for the Palestinian terrorist group, but it could also harm the Gaza Strip's water supply. Reports are that Israel has already built a system of large pumps to send seawater in for the Mediterranean and could have all the tunnels flooded within weeks. Meanwhile, the Biden administration urging Israel to do more to avert civilian casualties as a country ramps up its military campaign in southern Gaza. We do not want to see a military campaign in the south that looks like the north. We do not want to see the same level of mass displacement. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller saying the U.S. is monitoring the military operation very closely. Fighting did resume this week in the Gaza Strip following the end of a week-long pause in fighting. And the Pope presiding over the meeting of the Council of Cardinals, also known as the C9, with discussions including the feminine dimension of the church. As Devin Watkins with Vatican News tells us, a meeting following comments made by the Holy Father last week during a special audience. Pope Francis presided over a meeting of the C9 Council of Cardinal Advisors on Monday in the Vatican. He announced late last week that the meeting would focus on a discussion of the feminine dimension of the church. The Pope revealed the topic during an audience with the International Theological Commission on November 30th. The church is woman, said Pope Francis on that occasion, adding that if we do not understand what woman is or what the theology of womanhood is, then we will never understand what the church is. He also described the, quote, masculinizing of the church as a great sin which has yet to be resolved. The Pope appealed to a distinction proposed by Jesuit theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar, who described a Petrine or ministerial principle and a Marian or mystical principle. 
The Marian is more important than the Petrine, Pope Francis said, because there is the bride church, the feminine church, without being masculine. The last meeting of the Council of Cardinals took place in late June and saw the Cardinals reflect with the Pope on various themes. At the time, these included the ongoing war in Ukraine, the implementation of Predicate Evangelium in local churches, and the work of the Plenary Assembly of the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors. Dicastery for Evangelization continuing its cultural initiatives for the series Jubilee is Culture. This is in preparation for the upcoming Jubilee year in 2025. Vatican News reporting the upcoming third exhibit entitled 100 Nativity Scenes in the Vatican unites the works of various artists from around the world, each portraying different interpretations of the scene of Jesus' birth. The inauguration of the exhibition will be held at 4 p.m. Rome time this Friday on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception under the left-hand side of the colonnade in St. Peter's Square. And this year's edition intends to celebrate the 800th anniversary of the Greccio Crib, the first depiction of the nativity which St. Francis created at Christmas in the year 1223. In other news this morning, Republicans insisting on latching border security to any supplemental plan for aid to Ukraine and Israel. Some lawmakers won't back any package that lacks immigration policy changes, including Texas Senator John Cornyn. This is not just about more money. This is about changing some of the policies that have made the border a huge magnet to people from all around the world. Democrats on Capitol Hill resisting adding the GOP-backed border security provisions to Joe Biden's international supplemental spending package. However, Republicans appear to have an unlikely ally. Some Democratic state leaders, including the governor of Massachusetts, urging lawmakers to boost border security plans. And Mark Mayfield tells us the Republican National Committee has now announced who will be taking part in the fourth GOP debate on Wednesday. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy are set to take the stage in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for the event. Former President Trump, who still holds a wide lead in the GOP polls, will instead take part in a Fox News town hall on Tuesday. The two-hour debate will take place Wednesday night on NewsNation. It's up to Congress to approve more funding for Ukraine in its war with Russia. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan today warning resources for Ukraine will soon dry up if Congress does not take action over the next few weeks. He said lawmakers must decide whether to support the fight for freedom or let Russian President Vladimir Putin prevail. The White House wants a $106 billion package and includes aid for both Ukraine and Israel and other national security priorities. Republicans want to take up the issues separately and want, again, as you heard, border policy changes in exchange for more Ukraine aid. Trey Thomas tells us a former U.S. ambassador to Bolivia is now being charged with acting as a secret foreign agent of Cuba. Attorney General Merrick Garland says 73-year-old Manuel Rocha secretly supported the Republic of Cuba by serving as a covert agent of Cuba's intelligence services. This action exposes one of the highest reaching and longest lasting infiltrations of the U.S. government by a foreign agent. He served as ambassador from 2000 to 2002. It appears there's a direct link to gold bars found in New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez's home to a businessman accused of bribing the senator at least four gold bars found in Menendez's home reportedly had the same serial numbers of bars stolen from the businessman back in 2013. Ten years later, the FBI said the bars found in Menendez's home have those unique serial numbers. 
The Supreme Court is taking up a challenge from the Justice Department to last year's $6 billion settlement agreed by Purdue Pharma over its role in the opioid crisis. Reporter Iris Spitza says at stake is whether the Sackler family, which controlled the company, will retain immunity from future litigation. The Justice Department says the Sackler family withdrew $11 billion from Purdue Pharma during the 11 years before the company filed for bankruptcy in 2019. The bankruptcy was supposed to protect the Sackler family members' personal assets. However, the DOJ has argued that bankruptcy laws don't offer the legal basis to shield the Sacklers because there could be an untold number of claimants who didn't agree to the terms of the settlement. The Supreme Court is hanging a black drape over the courtroom doors in honor of Sandra Day O'Connor, the late justice and first woman to be confirmed to the Supreme Court, died on Friday. She was 93. A shark attack has claimed the life of an American woman in the Bahamas. Officials there say the woman from Boston was paddleboarding with a relative, paddleboarding with a relative near the Sandals Resort yesterday when the attack took place. CPR was administered, but her injuries were too severe. On Saturday, a woman died after an apparent shark attack at a beach resort in Mexico. And Scott Pringle tells us rallies are now being held today in New York State, both in Manhattan and Albany, against attempts to do away with the city's right to shelter law. Well, union leaders, advocates and local officials are gathering in Bowling Green to call for moving longtime homeless New Yorkers into permanent housing. They also want to see the resettling of migrants within New York State. They're against Mayor Eric Adams' plan that he announced in October to put a 60-day emergency shelter limit in place for migrant families. But Adams says the city just doesn't have the space because it's overwhelmed with asylum seekers. A family in Florida is suing Panera Bread over a man's death. Their lawsuit alleging that 46-year-old Dennis Brown died from drinking Panera's charged lemonade. They filed suit yesterday, almost two months after he died of cardiac arrest. A lawyer for the family says the only thing that changed in the weeks before his death, health-wise, was that he started drinking the charged lemonades. He had three the day that he died. Each drink contains almost 400 milligrams of caffeine, and that's the FDA-suggested daily maximum intake. Panera Bread, meanwhile, denying the drink led to Brown's death and stands by, it says, by the safety of its products. And this is the second time this year that it's been alleged that Panera's highly caffeinated drink led to someone's death. Finally, in our newscast at 14 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning, December 5th, it's going to cost more to deck the halls this year. The average price for a real Christmas tree is up 10 percent. One, it's supply. Those particular species are high demand. They're having some issues with production. Fred Raley of Texas A&M Forest Service saying on top of supply, there is also a higher cost this year for shipping. And as a result, folks are dropping between, get this, 80 and and $100 on average. But even though prices are rising, a tree is a must. An estimated 21 million real Christmas trees will be sold just this year in 2023 alone. And speaking of Christmas... Julian Greg Alexander of the Alexander House for our mornings on marriage. Now that we are in Advent and leading toward the Christmas season, are going to talk about how to nurture your marriage at this time of year and year-round as well. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? 
In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. Finding health care for yourself and your family can be isolating and confusing. That's why the Catholic Health Alternative, CMF Curo, is offering Christ-centered health sharing for individuals and families, along with new wellness services to help heal and restore your whole person, spirit, mind, and body. Visit cmfcuro.com to find out more. That's cmfcuro.com, where you can experience Christ's healing love in your health and wellness. Uh, Julie and Greg and I joking around about marriage. Uh been married as long as we have you have to laugh right a lot of humor anyhow always great to have them on especially this time of year this can be a very tense time of year for all of us because the busyness just increases to the max and some of that can't be helped especially if you have children because there's events going on and you have shopping to do and there's anyway bottom line is make sure that you are taking care of each other first and foremost god you have to have that in your marriage but then you have to make sure that you're loving each other. Pope Francis actually a few years ago said to the Vatican employees before he let them go for Christmas vacation, the best thing a mother and father can do for their kids is to love each other. So that's why we're going to talk this morning about nurturing your marriage during the holiday season. And Greg and Julie, Greg, I'll start with you. You gave us a, a great outline to work from this morning. So let's talk about some of the challenges that married couples face this time of year. You know, Teresa, just as you and I were sitting here, I was talking about the fact that said, you know, we should be doing a show on nurturing your marriage all year long. Yeah. Because a lot of times, because we, we neglect the relationship throughout the year, that kind of allows us entering to the Christmas season with a half cup, if you will, which exacerbates a lot of the challenges that we're going to talk about here today. And the first one, of course, and you've alluded to already, is that increased stress, just of the holidays in and of itself, you know, shopping, getting the house together, party planning family expectations, all those things that bring that additional stress into our lives that we have to manage. And, and if we are not uh, intentional about managing that stress, it can increase the stress between us as a spouse or even for that individual in the relationship. And so as we are looking at these challenges that are coming on, first of all, we just need to have open communication, you know, talking about what are my fears, what are my worries, what are my concerns as this Christmas season is coming, if I'm planning a party and things of that nature but also looking for ways as a loving spouse to, to reach in and help carry the load, so to speak. So if there's a big party that you're planning at the house to help your spouse clean the house or she needs help cooking or grocery shopping, but just looking for those ways that you can jump in to help manage the stress that either you as a couple or your spouse may be experiencing as a result of this particular challenge of increased stress. Yeah, and you know, the things you, you mentioned here, increased stress is number one, but under that is family dynamics, which is huge, time management, 
Unrealistic expectations, and Julie, I'd like you to pick up on this, and emotional triggers. So you put all these things together, and it could be a very explosive situation. But I do see, and I think it's because of the negative influence of the media and people glued to the TV and watching Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies or reruns of the Waltons and thinking that everyone has a perfect existence and everyone is decorating with the Christmas carols in the background and nobody's fighting. So these unrealistic expectations are a big issue, are they not? It's huge, Teresa, because oftentimes we don't even discuss it. We just think that this is the way it's going to be because that's what it appears that everything else is. It looks perfect. Well, as you said earlier, there's no such thing as perfection. And we put all this stress upon us, and then that affects the relationship, that affects the family, that affects, I mean, you just go down the line. And there are studies that show that this time of year, there are increased rates of heart attacks, and it goes from that emotional stress and the all kinds of issues that come into play with the pressure that we put on ourselves to to look perfect. And again, you talk about that on always is the social media. Everything looks great, wonderful, perfect. So there's an increase of, oh, my gosh, we've got to have it this way. We've got to have all the gifts. We've got to have all the looks. We've got to have all. It is so much pressure. And we forget, again, what the most important thing is, is just to be with one another and to right. celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, I'll also yeah. then note, uh, if I may share it with you, we have a couple we're working with right now, and, and the wife is in such a state of relationship because their life is not where she thought it would be at the age of 35. You know, we should have this house, we should be taking these trips and have all these cars and, and all these different things. And so she has set herself up for those unrealistic expectations and now putting this additional pressure on her husband to have to work to, to acquire a lot of those things that she desires or, worse and, or more worse the things that she thought they should have at this time in their life. So, again, unrealistic expectations can, can kill the relationship. It can kill you as an individual to make you feel as if you don't measure up because you right. don't have everything you see, especially on social media. Yeah, yeah. and so many people look at what other people are doing, and they don't even realize that a lot of it is fake. I mean, people are not being honest <laughs> on social media. People don't have a clue about that. It's just, it just amazing. With all the studies and all the research that's out there, people think that what they see on social media, even if it's with someone they know, is absolutely the real thing, and it's not. We're talking with Greg and Julie Alexander, our monthly mornings on marriage, nurturing your marriage during the holiday season. Okay, another big thing, and we've got about four minutes before the break, so we'll start and then we'll pick it up at the at the second segment, but family dynamics are huge and can cause, and I'm not just talking about the individual nuclear family, but if you're going to an event or if you have people coming over your house, family dynamics can be huge and have an impact uh, on the good. marriage. And if I can put an exclamation point on family dynamics with in-laws, we we get so many couples that come that have these issues with they're having to deal with the in-laws because now I have to to go away from what I want to do and conform my life to my family's tradition or my in-laws' traditions and and things of that nature. And it just poses so so many problems in the relationship. And even from the standpoint of, of coming up and expecting that we're going to celebrate Christmas in my home, our home, the way I did in my home growing up and having those conflict in view. So, again, just simply sitting down and having the conversation, setting boundaries, you know, what what, what are things going to look like as we are uh, having your family coming over or as we go visit? Uh, what are some of those off-limit conversations? And maybe even sometimes I call them private check-ins where even if we're in the midst of the other family members, you know, taking a few moments sometimes to check in and make sure my spouse is okay. I, I know that, you know, not my family per se, but if she didn't like being around. No, my family. family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, there we go. He just said, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's when the fight begins. No, I'm just teasing. 
But it's so important because we did this. We, we worked with this couple in marriage prep, and six months later, they called us in a panic. Can we come see? We have serious problems. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what could be happening? So they came over. We welcomed them in our front door. They sat down, and they're like, we're fighting. We're fighting the hugest fight we've ever had. And we're like, why? What's going on? Because I expect us to have Christmas at our, my home, and he thought we're having it at his home. And then he, his parents are divorced, so he's got to have it at two different homes. There is no way. And we were just blown away because we never thought of how critical those issues are to discuss and talk about before you get to that day of celebration. And all of a sudden, people are are freaking out a little bit. But as parents, we can assist in our children that are married and our grandchildren by not putting those expectations on our yep. children to yep. say, you have to spend Christmas with us. If not, you're not going to be talked to for right. a month. Yeah. And, th- yeah, and that, that happens. That happens. I mean, maybe not so much in, in some families. Maybe they won't cut you off completely. But there, there can be increased stress from the fallout from saying, you know what? No, we're not coming this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's been a big family tradition for us, for all of our kids. We, we typically all go to the visual mass on Christmas Eve. Everybody sleeps over. We wake up the next morning and, um, you know, have breakfast, pray, and celebrate Christmas, if you will. And so this year will be the first year that two of our children won't be there because of being with their, their new families, if you will. And, and I think they were a little apprehensive at first and sharing with us that they wouldn't be there for fear that we might get upset. But, you know, we, we, we celebrate that. We want them to go out and establish those relationships and celebrate with their new families and, and again, grow their own tradition. So we as parents need to also support our children as they start to venture off and not hold it against them and uh, be angry and upset because they're not spending Christmas with us. That's a great point. When we come back, I want to talk more about that because we can help ourselves. And maybe we're talking about sitting down with each other as a couple, but also reaching out to our extended family, our parents or in-laws, and saying, hey, lovingly, here's what we're going to do this year. We'll be over at this time, but we're going to start with our own traditions. Not that we're not going to see you and not that we don't want to be with you, but we're going to start our own traditions with our own family. More on mornings on marriage and handling the situation with couples during the holidays with Greg and Julie Alexander of the Alexander House. How does man fulfill his vocation? Through life in the Holy Spirit, the Catechism tells us. This life is made up of divine charity and human solidarity and is offered as salvation. Man's great dignity is rooted in his creation in the image and likeness of God. It is fulfilled in his vocation to divine beatitude. It is by our own actions, doing good and avoiding evil, freely chosen acts, that man conforms to the good promised by God. Human beings make their own contribution to their own interior growth, the Catechism tells us. With the help of grace, man can avoid sin and grow in virtue. It is Christ who reveals the mystery of the Father and his love for man, thus making man fully manifest to himself and bringing to light his exalted vocation. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Dr. Ray Garendi. Most experts don't think like you do. Go to the computer. Type in child, self-esteem, search. Last time I looked, 31 million options. The experts believe self-esteem is the preeminent moral virtue. Type in child, humility, search. Crickets. Why? When was the last time you heard a secular expert talk about 
humility. But that's at the very core of the virtues we want to teach our children. Always remember one thing. When an expert tells you how to raise your child, you have to ask a question. Is this expert of the same worldview that I am? Does he or she value the same virtues I want to impart to my children? This is such an important discussion. That's what I love about Greg and Julie Alexander. They're so practical in their marriage coaching, and they're they're real because they've been through it themselves. They're in back again. Greg and Julie Alexander are authors. They're presented. They're marriage coaches, and they have a beautiful website, The Alexander House, and it's thealexanderhouse.org, correct, Greg? That is correct, Teresa. All right, and, and go there for information on their presentations and also to, to sign up for marriage coaching. They also have couples who work with them as well, and it's free. And it's online, so you don't have to fly down to Texas, although if you want to, it would be great to meet with them because they're amazing. But you can do it online at your convenience. Okay, we are talking about challenges for couples over the holidays. We talked about increased stress and family dynamics. The other thing I wanted to mention about family dynamics is it's okay for a couple to lovingly go to their parents, their in-laws, and say, you know what, Uh, we're married now, we're going to do things differently, we have to spend time with, you know, my husband or my wife's family, we will see you, but it's going to be different. I mean, that is, they, they should be doing that as a couple to start their own traditions, correct? Absolutely, Teresa. In fact, I just got a text from a mom who's listening to the show this morning, and she talked about how she has always felt it important and never wanted to pressure us in our lives. And then we never did get that, you know, where you felt like, okay, wow, mom didn't like me because we didn't spend Christmas with her. You know, she always welcomed our decisions and the things that we've done. And again, we need to be that way with our children to give them that freedom and to know that it's okay that if I go do, do this, that I won't upset mom or dad because I'm not going to be there on this day, this holiday, this Christmas, whatever the event or occasion might be. Yeah, I just want to let you know, mom, that I invited you to Christmas. <laughs> I, Julie noted, Julie noted, everything we say is recorded so you can play that for her too when, uh, when she comes over for Christmas. Let's talk, I want to go back to unrealistic expectations. So this is a, an interesting uh, story. So years ago when I was first starting the program, I, uh, this, I'm on the air now, the Catholic Connection, 21 years on Ave and, and 16 years on EWTM, I was talking about don't get yourself all crazy at Christmas time. And if you need to buy something prepackaged to make something, add something to the meal, because a lot of people just don't have the time to do everything from scratch, that's okay. Give yourself a break. Well, I received this email from this listener who went on and on and on about how I was promoting unhealthy eating. I suggested getting a bottled gravy. That's all I suggested. And she went on and on about how I was promoting. And, and I said, you know what? You're not getting what I'm discussing. I'm talking about making it easier and taking available, t- you know, taking uh, the opportunity to do something a little bit easier for yourself so you can enjoy more family time. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves because we see things on Facebook. We see these and people don't realize how much that influences them. It really does. Oh, it, it really does, Teresa. And, and, you know, another area, too, is when you feel like you have to buy all these gifts. And, of course, having the family size that we have, we kind of kind of pull back. So, okay, we're going to pull names and just buy one gift because if not, I mean, you go broke trying to provide gifts for all the people within the family. But yet there are those who will do that, overextend themselves, put money on credit cards that they don't have 
because they want to want to be the big gift giver, if you will. And of course, just totally getting away from what the season is, is all about. And uh, many years ago, Julie went to our kids and said, look, guys, don't expect much. This is not your birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. Amen. <laughs> and getting back to the, the reason for the season, if you will. Yeah, it goes back to that point where you said, Teresa, I think that's another good thing to, instead of expectations not being met, to have those conversations. I talk again about having those conversations. Too often we go and we do things or we make changes thinking it's the best thing to happen and if people don't understand so then there's that frustration because they were thinking that the Christmas was all about gift giving and that whole thing is great but your time and your presence to come together as family I remember one tradition that we had growing up we would write letters to everybody in our family or my brother's sisters and then my parents and it was the best thing I still have those letters today Maybe not remember a gift I was given, but I have those letters that my father wrote today and my mother wrote today that I keep and treasure because it's those words that just hit the heart. It's just beautiful. So it's amazing to change those traditions of what we think we need to go out and spend all this money to doing something that really matters and makes a difference. Yeah, because then you're going to be causing more problems for your relationship and for your household in the future with all those bills. Okay, number five on the list, we've already talked about increased stress, family dynamics, time management, unrealistic expectations, and we could spend an hour on each of these at least. But emotional triggers are a big thing too during the holidays, aren't they? They're huge, I think, especially, I, I remember this in my family growing up, Teresa, that it was kind of, the Christmas was wonderful, but it was a little somber. And we didn't understand that until later in life when we grew up and understood that my dad told us the story that right before Christmas, um, he was standing with his mom looking out the window and the black car drives up from the military and they get the knock on the door where his brother was killed in the war. And he remembers watching his mother three, he was three years old. I think he, he was watching his mother's face and the way she cried and how he remembers that moment that nobody ever should have to hurt like that would be his words. And it was so devastating because it was a remembrance of him where we were all young kids going, well, why, where's the joy? Where's the happiness? Where's all the, you know, the stuff even then back then, but we didn't realize his heart where it was, but oh my goodness, the difference of those kind of things when you know that of a, of a spouse or a family member, to just be there, the greatest gift we could give each other is our presence, our hugs, our words of affirmation, encouragement, and those things, because no gift can replace that kind of mm-hmm. emotion. And there's a lot of times, Teresa, that people are lonely. They're by themselves. They have this overwhelming depression. They don't know why, because it's not what we think it should be. So those feelings come upon us, and we don't know what to do with it. Please talk to each other. Just right. say, you know what? The biggest thing I need right now is a hug or for you to come spend time with me sitting on the couch looking just having a fire going at the fireplace and let's just sit next to each other and enjoy each other's company yeah the simple things and and really i think it's spending time what about spending time together in prayer and greg i'll go to you as we wrap up we have about uh, two minutes left dominic and i do the readings together and we started doing uh following a series that they offer on uh, our Sacred Heart Major Seminary has all these free programs online. And so right now they have a really cool program from Dr. Williamson, who's this great scripture scholar, talking about the prophecies of Jesus in Isaiah. And it's just so interesting to listen to that and to pull out the Bible and talk about it together, or just to simply do the readings or the Advent reflections together as a couple. I mean, having that prayer be a center, central focus can also help you keep things in perspective about what's really important. Oh, absolutely, Teresa. And of course, this year, Julie and I have really been focusing on prayer specifically to the Holy Spirit. And in your first segment, you talked about Lectio Divina, which is a great 
prayer uh, process, if you will, to, to really meditate on God's Word and, and relying on the Holy Spirit to come in and reveal to you, you know, a certain meaning in that particular scripture. And it's amazing when the Holy Spirit comes in, and in the depths, I want to say, that it takes the conversation, uh, those aha moments and things of that nature. So, yeah, definitely getting in prayer, growing in a relationship with God. It's the old adage that you can't give what you don't have. And so if we don't have God and Christ inside of us, we can't give that love to others, especially starting with our spouse. We're talking with Greg and Julie Alexander from the Alexander House. And, Greg, give us a website again. Uh, the website is www.alexanderhouse.org. That's T-H-E, alexanderhouse.org. And so if you feel that you're having difficulties, especially this time of year, of course, Teresa, as you talked about earlier, uh, we talked in the fact that the first Monday after New Year's has been deemed to be uh, Divorce Monday. Uh, a lot of times couples are going into the holidays and having to just contend to put up with each other to get through the holidays to then file for divorce. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. So if you're experiencing those difficulties, you need help. Again, there's no charge for our services. Give us a call. And Teresa, I'm also happy to report we just trained our eighth couple Yay. as a marriage disciple. So we've got marriage disciples all over the place. We'll continue to expand that ministry to be able to help those. That Amen. Thanks, you guys. You're amazing. Thank you so much, Greg and Julie Alexander. And they'll be with us in January to talk about nurturing your marriage throughout the year. That should be a top New Year's resolution. We'll be right back. TheAlexanderHouse.org. Again, TheAlexanderHouse.org. They do great marriage presentations as well for parishes. So check them out online. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually am operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from the automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000. And they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted, but I want you to know I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. The binary choice between life and death is the engine that drives the entire story of human history. It's there in the garden where Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. It's there in the days of Cain and Abel when they have to choose between right and wrong worship. It's there with Joshua in chapter 24 where he says, Choose this day whom you will serve. And the binary choice is there with King David when Bathsheba catches his eye. It's there in Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And it's there in Jesus' teaching. Will you build on the rock or will you build on sand? And when we talk about imitating Christ, we mean that we want to be like Jesus, who always makes the right choice, choosing God above created things. He chooses life, and for those who follow him, he promises abundant life, even eternal life. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Joan Lewis normally joins us, of course, on a Wednesday with Joan's Rome, but because of travel, we wanted to make sure we had her on, so she is with us on a Tuesday morning. So tell us about your travels, Joni, please. Good morning. Well, I am so excited. Um, I leave tomorrow for Honolulu, but it's a, a trip kind of divided in two. United has a flight from here to Newark. Then I spend the night in Newark and leave at 8.30 on Thursday morning for a nonstop flight to Honolulu. And, of course, the biggest joke this week for a lot of people has been, gee, Joan, why are you going there? And I said, for work. You know, really? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, no, it's, fasc- it's fascinating, a very humbling, challenging, wonderful experience I've had over the last year. I'm, I'm on the Historical Commission for the cause of canonization of Servant of God Joseph Dutton, and he worked for 44 years with the patients of leprosy on Molokai with Saints Damien and Marianne. And now he died in, in 1931. But his cause was opened uh, 2015 or 2016 in the Diocese of Honolulu. And um, because of my enthusiasm for for his life and his works and just this amazing 88-year-old man, what he contributed, uh, you know, certainly to to the work with the, with the victims of leprosy. Anyway, the diocese put me on their Dutton Guild for his cause. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I, I've done radio shows, I've posted, I've written magazine articles, I've posted blogs on Dutton, and I was asked to be on the Historical Commission. Now, the Historical Commission for any cause of canonization means that these people working on it um, look into the life, literally from first to last breath, of the person, um, you know, potentially a saint. So my particular um, aspect of this research was in the archives of the um, office here in Rome of the priest of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary. Now, that's the order that Father Damien belonged to. And they have extensive archives in Rome and and also some in in Belgium. But, excuse me, but, but I never got to Belgium. So anyway, as we, those of us on the commission, finish our report, and there's many different aspects of this, uh, Father John Paul Kimes is at the University of Notre Dame. There's an amazing archive there due to a student whose um, final dissertation was on Joseph Dutton. And so Father John Paul, his report will be on everything that he's learned about Dutton, reading letters written by him or to him. So it's a very demanding, demanding work for sure. But And you sit there, at least I did. I kept saying, come Holy Spirit, <laughs> as I was writing, because... All of this, all of the work of a historical commission comes to Rome, and they then evaluate it, and, uh, you know, obviously down the line a judgment is made if the person is is worthy of proceeding the cause of, of heroic virtues and beatification and sainthood. And now the reason I'll be in Hawaii is that the Vatican requires that members of a historical commission, because there's also a theological commission, that when our work is done, we meet as a body in the diocese where the cause uh, was opened. And so we all have to meet together. We're going to spend three days going over everything that we've done. Um, Each of us will be quizzed. There will be uh, notaries there. There will be different people from the from the diocese to whom we have to report and answer questions, et cetera. So 
um, <clears throat> it's demanding, it's thrilling, it's humbling, it's uh, just totally exciting to yeah. have this kind of a small role, Teresa, mm-hmm. in, in possibly, you know, the creation of a saint. Not the creation, obviously, it's the recognition. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because Joseph, Joseph Dutton himself, <clears throat> so sorry, Joseph Dutton himself would be the person who lived, uh, you know, we certainly hope we have proof of a heroic life, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but I mean, our work is pointing out the right thing. And um, so it's been a thrilling period. Um, I may have to go to the eye doctor because <laughs> the hundreds of letters that I read were all handwritten. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, there's so much work and research that goes into this. Well, I mean, Dutton got to, the, uh, to, to Molokai in July of 1886. He died in uh, 1931. And all of the letters from the priest, I, I did read a lot written by him. But most of the letters that I went were the priests who were on Molokai and who were, were you know, Kalopapa, and who were also the pastors, if you will, of these small communities. Well, they weren't so small. I was um, of victims of, of leprosy, uh, also known as Hansen's disease. So what they wrote, some of them had extensive interaction with Dutton and Damien and, and all the patients, and some of them had very little. They left that up to others. But the minute I saw, read a document and saw Dutton's name, I was to put that aside. It was to be photocopied and scanned, and so all of that. Uh, I'll have all those photocopies, you know, in my luggage tomorrow. Wow. So, wow. Um, well, safe travels. Very, How long are you going to be there? Exciting. How long are you going to be there? Um, a week. So okay. three days, possibly four, we don't know. But, I mean, I, I get there on the 7th, December 7th, of course, and, and Pearl Harbor, obviously, are dates written in every single history book, but I wish I'd got, yeah, I don't get there in the morning. I get there about 2.30 in the afternoon, but I think there'll still be some Pearl Harbor events, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big mass on, uh, for all of us on the commission and other people on December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And the 9th, 10th, and the 11th, possibly the 12th, the commission will be working, and then I leave for Rome on a red eye uh, on the 14th. So I wow. fly Honolulu, San Francisco, Newark, and, and Rome. Mamma so mia. around the world. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about Rome. Speaking of the Pope, he did not go to Dubai, obviously, for the uh, the conference, right. the, uh, the environmental conference, but he's still struggling a little bit. Now, you were mentioning when we were going back and forth in emails that you're not sure if he's going to actually do the annual event at the Spanish Steps with the statue of the Blessed Mother, which is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we just oh, took I our know. group there. Uh, we did a, a walking Rome tour. And of course, you did a big thing at that at that statue and the pillar and explaining to them what happens every year. So so what are you hearing right now? And of course, it is um, it, it is a holiday here, not just a holy day, but a holiday. Okay, so, right. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the visit, there's two visits um, on his schedule for December 8th. One, he's going to go to the church that he so loves, the icon that he so loves of, of Mary Salos Popoli Romani at St. Mary Major, and he's going to present, a, to gift her this um, icon with a golden rose, and hopefully, th- this is something that goes back about a millennia in the church, so, you know, if we have enough time, we'll talk about that. So that's on his schedule, and then, after that, he is scheduled to go to the Spanish Steps. 
My only worry, and Teresa, you know this if you listened, and I posted, if, if anybody mm-hmm. listened to the video of the Holy Father talking Sunday at the Angelus from his residence, not from the office, you know, from his study in the Apostolic Palace, his voice was, you know, very weak and hoarse, and to the extent where he could not read his Angelus remarks, but Monsignor Breda of the you know, Secretary of State read them. So here's my concern for Thursday, and it has to be everybody's concern, starting with his doctors. Yesterday it was colder than you could possibly imagine, very, very gray. You didn't even know if it was going to rain. Today it was pouring rain till about maybe an hour ago. So uh, um, I don't know what the, you know, prognostics are for, for Thursday, but I think they've got to be careful because the Pope spends, I don't know, it's a half an hour or something, and uh, he prays and puts flowers, you know, at the base of the statue of Immaculate Mary. And uh, I guess the whole time there is, you know, between probably around 45 minutes. But for him to be outside in any questionable or very cold weather, right? Um, you know, might be, I just hope if the doctors feel that the weather's not right, well, if it rains, I mean, if it rains and he steps out of the Santa Marta, then that would be a terrible decision. So right. um, we'll just have to pray for nice weather somehow for the, for the Pope's voice to improve between now and then, but I mean, that's only a couple of days. So, right. um, you know, yeah. well, well just, that, that has to be played by ear. The Pope is playing it by ear, I'm sure. Now, yesterday and today, he had two meetings. Uh, he had nothing else on his agenda, no, no groups or anything, thank the Lord. But he uh, met with the Council of Nine Cardinals, mm-hmm. and they met yesterday and then uh, also a meeting today. So, you know, that's, I mean, he'll be around nine people. I'm sure they're going to be doing most of the talking, at least. But um, so that we can just hope that there's enough time for his voice and strength and everything to uh, to improve between, you know, now and, and the 8th. And then the 8th and the ninth are big days for Vatican City, anyway, because right. the, um, I, I've seen two different dates. One says 4 o'clock on December 8th, that the tree will be lit and the nativity scene unveiled. And then the next report I saw from Vatican News says it will be on the 9th. So I'll have to double-check. Both of these are good sources, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. only one can be right. So, But the tree is going to be amazing. The tree is already up. And what is lovely about the tree is that there will not be ornaments. There have been ornaments made and designed by designed by children in past years, but there's going to be thousands of Edelweiss, and this is a, a beautiful, oh, how beautiful. A beautiful white mountain flower, because this uh, tree came from the northern Alp region of Italy. Mm. It's a white spruce, so 82 feet tall, so um, it came from the Italian Alps close to uh, close to France. So, Beautiful. and then the nativity scene, Teresa, will be marvelous because I hope some of our listeners have been to Greccio. We have. I I, we we took two groups there this year and then last year. It is phenomenal. If you've mm-hmm. never been, that has to be on your bucket list in Italy. It is so gorgeous. Oh, so gorgeous. Absolutely. And I've been there a number of times, and I'm still always struck by the simplicity and yet the beauty of this, because Francis um, wanted to recreate the first manger scene. So he tried to look for a town he felt 
in Italy that might be similar to Bethlehem. They found Greccio and his nativity scene, so December 12, 23, 800 years ago. His nativity scene featured real live animals. It's like it really had to be, you know, 2,000 years ago. So um, apparently the nativity scene in St. Peter's Square will be almost a, a replica and will honor the 800 years of um, 800 years of Greccio. So um, it's it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> you know, Greccio is, is there's so much that we can learn from that in terms of. St. Francis and why he did that. And, and if you think about how far it is from Assisi, Assisi is in Umbria, and then Greccio is in northern Lazio, sure. way, way up in the mountains. And it's just, yeah. that really gives you the sense of the peace of Christmas, though, when you think about Greccio. So I would encourage people, I have several articles on it and pictures, even from our trip this year. I have it on TravelItalyExpert.com. But the beautiful thing is that, as you said, the nativity scene is going to be very close to what that was. And then the other item that's really cool, I mentioned this in our email, is they have that display of all all the different nativities from around yeah. the world that is going to be that's at the Vatican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. That, so there's, if, if oh. you're going to Rome this, this uh, Christmas season, those are a couple things to check out, you know, take a, get a car, get a driver, go to Greccio, go yeah. to mass there, that church there, that parish there is beautiful. Oh, and, yeah. and all the nativity scenes they have in the upper level around the church around, it's just mind blowing. Again, the same thing. They have different nativities from, from around the world in Italy. Well, Joni, we are going to wish you safe well, travels. 120, different 120 in Rome. Year. And yes, at, yeah. the, at the Vatican. Yeah. Now, um, I don't know if you can join us at any time and let us know how it's going in Hawaii, but keep in touch. And then obviously when you get back, we'll have a full report of how things went with you. Uh, that's just phenomenal. Thank you so much for your hard work. Oh, indeed. A great honor to be to be sure. And someone to pray to. My heavens. Joseph a- amen. You know. Amen. Yeah. All right, Joni, have a great day and, and finish packing. I know you've got a lot to do this week before you head over to Hawaii. Our very own Joan Lewis from Jones Rome. Jones Rome at WordPress.com. Check out her great work. And of course, she joins us normally on Wednesdays, but because of her busy travel schedule this week, she's joining us today. And we will keep in touch. So pray for safe travels for Joni. We'll be right back on a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection. You are listening to EWTN. Stay tuned. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Isn't it awesome that we today do not recognize his presence? In the Eucharist. Is it because we really don't go to him in humbleness of heart and say, Lord, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to see you. I want to recognize you. I cannot live without you. Are we saying that? EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 
Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Again, if you're interested to learn more about Greccio, I have several articles on my TravelItalyExpert.com website, uh, including pictures and also Facebook. We have some pictures of my recent trip there on my Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection. It's a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. And I appreciate Joni joining us. It's a really busy week for her. She's heading over, as you heard, to Hawaii and then traveling back to Rome on the 14th. Stay tuned to EWTN all day long for great Advent programming and so many specials coming up this month. And make sure you take time out for yourself to stay close to the Lord, especially during Advent. Talk to you tomorrow, God willing. A domani. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.